0: Welcome to Woman Power Zone. Today, I speak with Christine Mulani, TEDx speaker about the power of vulnerability. And today we're going to talk about courage. We're going to talk about opening up, changing, trusting, and self-discovery. Join us. Welcome to Woman Power Zone, a safe space for learning, growing, healing, and empowerment. Today, we have TEDx speaker... Coach and podcaster, Christine Mullany, as our guest. Hi, Christine or Molani. See? It Brilliant. <laughs> she coached me, I just didn't listen. <laughs> Christine, how are you? Thank you for coming on the show.
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here.
0: I so appreciate you. So, I'm talking with you because you graciously agreed to come on the show, and we met through the podcasting collective from progressive. And that's the agency that I I know I use and you you've studied with them and I love those guys and they help me connect with people from all over the world. And you have some really great wisdom to share. And I wanted to just talk with you and we had talked about today's theme being self-discovery. And I think that's a really important theme. Recently I did a show on self-awareness and now we're going to talk about self-discovery. So Christine did a Ted talk about the ripple effect of vulnerability on Ted. And I thought your talk was moving, amazing, and powerful. And the thing is you have training as a neural language coach. You have training in presentation skills. You've worked as an English language instructor, right? You've worked in the business world. You've also been trained as a storytelling teacher. And I love that. I've had storytelling coaches on this show before. And so words are important, right? And then self-discovery is important. And I'd love to hear about that journey for you. So one of the things that you said in your TED Talk was that by sharing our stories, we give other people the courage to share theirs. And I am paraphrasing. But I love also what you said about having the courage to face backlash and still share your story. And in today's culture, I find that those two things often go together. And i love to know, through self-discovery, how did you have the confidence to face backlash but still be vulnerable? How did you have the courage to do that?
1: Well, courage is a key word there. So my journey with courage, and thank you, by the way, for such a lovely introduction. I appreciate it. My journey with courage started when I was, well, when I was very young, but really it became a key theme in my life at 17. When I had my first shamanic experience. And this was through my mom's best friend who was a practitioner who did some healing work on me. I don't know if you can see where we're on video for anyone who's who's listening to the podcast. There's a scar on my neck here. Um, When I was 14 or 15, I had an operation on my throat, which recurred and continued to recur. And my mom said to me, look, would you not just give shamanism a try? Just see, because I was very skeptical.
0: Your
1: mom's so, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was uh, training to be a practitioner at the time, and, and I'm yeah, I, I'm I'm blessed for that because that allowed us to move ourselves from having been raised through the church. And that's a, a segue we don't need to go down into now, but uh, maybe one for a future conversation. <laughs> so I courageously said, "Okay, you know what? I really don't want this on my throat I don't want this hassle all the time there's clearly something happening it's to do with my voice I'll do it so I went and I was introduced or I met or whatever way you want to say it my first spirit guide who was a power animal which was a wolf who came to me for courage and interestingly enough at 16 when I got my first tattoo I got the Chinese symbol for courage Uh So we have a theme of courage, rippling, rippling through my life. And I I would say I have had to be courageous for much of my life. Uh, I've had a variety of different experiences, some of which have tried to, let's use the words, knock me down or knock me back. And I can choose to let life knock me down and knock me back and keep me where I am, or I can say, no, you know what? Mm -mm. I'm going to face this step forwards and through it and come out the other side. However, I come
0: out. Hey, everybody, if you're loving this show and you want to make a difference, please go to Apple Podcast Ratings and give the show a five star rating. Thanks so much. It's appreciated. So
1: the TEDx was six months after I had left a narcissistically abusive relationship. Wow. That I had been in for six or so years. Now, when I talk about this or I, I mentioned this, I in no way put all of the, I don't like the word blame, but put all of what happened on, on him. He had his own life experience and he was the way that he was because of his experience to life and I certainly behaved in ways that didn't necessarily help it but that's the way that it was so I had left it six months previously and in those six months between began my newest or most recent healing journey it certainly wasn't the first and it won't be the last hopefully maybe the next ones won't be quite so painful (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, But I I started to come back to that sense of self. Now, it didn't happen in six months, of course. Uh, But part of what was coming back was the recognition and the memory that I had been a very strong, very confident, very open woman before that relationship. And she wasn't gone. Uh She had just... Taken a vacation. Taken a vacation, gone a different route taking a side road and got lost in the Irish countryside for a little while before meandering back to the road she wanted to be on. And that's where the courage came from. The recognition that it's important to share your story, to be able to stand in your own power with respect for those around you and share from your truth. And it was very difficult because I was sharing also quite publicly, uh, some of what had happened to me as a teenager and my life experience with my parents and with my step-parent. And that was hard for, for my mum and my dad, very hard for them. But I had to do it. People talk about the comfort zone. For me, it's not really a comfort zone. It's just a place where we're used to things happening and that's our normality. It doesn't necessarily mean it's always comfortable. It's just our normality. Yes. But it's a wave of energy. And yes. when we start to feel the pressure pushing on us, just like a gravitational wave, there's a contraction. And after contraction comes an expansion. So when we push through that pain or that fear, we grow and develop. And that's it's just energy. It's just the expansion. Absolutely. And each time courage grows.
0: Each yeah. time courage grows.
1: Yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah, Courage means
1: heart. You know, you said words are really important. I love to to look up the etymology of words. I love words. Words are magic, I say. Your voice is the wand. I actually posted this this week a picture of my TEDx. (laughs) And I I say that, but also in recognition that not everybody has a vocalised voice to use as a wand. So maybe the wand is the hands, or maybe the wand is a computer. Uh, So, I want to recognize that in in neurodiverse and and those who don't have the same vocalization capacity. But the meaning of courage is heart. That's the etymology of it. And that's why in Alice in Wonderland, he was looking for his heart because he was Uh, looking for
0: courage. courage. I love that. I've, it's really important. The thing is self-discovery. It sounds like you've been sub- through several different rounds in your life of different types of experiences you mm-hmm. mentioned in your talk and you gave a trigger warning, which, you know, I, I thought was really useful. And sometimes we forget to do that, but you experienced some abuse as a child, which a lot of people do. You, you had the courage to start expressing yourself. You had the courage to, share your story with other people right and then you've I'm sure you've gone through other cycles like you said with the recent relationship and some of the other experiences you've had in your life gone through these different cycles of self-discovery and I look at it like a spiral like you're moving up the spiral and sometimes people think that because they're on one edge of the spiral when they experience the same quote experience they don't think it's this they think it's the same experience but it's actually at a higher level so they're spiraling up. As it were, you know, for this analogy, to a higher oh, <laughs> high frequency or a higher level experience or higher level awareness. And they seem like they're in the same spot, but they're actually not in the same spot. You're not They're going to an believe this expanded state of consciousness and you have something you look like you're going to show I am I am I'm sorry I am people, listening to you you're exciting me I'm seeing if I have for the right notebook We're <laughs> listening and not seeing the visual she's hunting <laughs> around her office for something something that's relevant to this conversation oh, my notebook. Oh, my notebook.
1: Which I looked at just yesterday I pull the right notebook now just for listeners Ariel and I have never met. This is the first time we have met face-to-face on Zoom. We've only had a few chats over WhatsApp. And she has just talked about a spiral, which moves up and expands out. I don't have a drawing of the the model that I have created, but I actually have created a model of exactly what you have just (laughs) explained with a spiral. But these are the initial drawings.
0: And and the spiral is part of the sacred that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, they're they're beautiful. And the thing is, for my students who are listening to the show who studied Reiki with me, spirals are part of some of the Reiki symbology that's used. Spirals are part of you know the goddess um information and all the archaeological sites all over the world, they have spirals, and it's a significant symbol, right? It's representing the evolution of consciousness, experience, awareness, and of course part of that evolution is self discovery right it's mm-hmm. understanding our deepest levels of authenticity knowledge awareness all of that good stuff
1: absolutely now, i mean the shokurei is the first symbol that we get in in reiki number yep. one and yep. it was when i received that symbol that that the spiral of thought came to me in exactly the way that you have just mentioned it i i, I sat at dinner with my reiki master that evening and i said you know really just the spiral we just go through, we experience these these things in life yes we move through the spiral and each time we come out at a higher level of frequency yes and maybe we need to repeat it again the same kind of thing now that this relationship was my third in three that were great but all had similar patterns yes uh, of, of different types of, of uh, addictive related substances and uh, abuse in some sort of form but all centering back into the, the lived experience that I had as a child and each time I came out of the relationships at a higher level of frequency yes until you get to the point where you recognize I'm gonna leave that spiral over there that can stay on the rock
0: and then I'm going to go to a different spiral. I'm going to go ahead
1: and, <laughs> and go on to this spiral this time.
0: And, and that self-discovery is choosing the spiral that you're going to get on. Yeah. And then yeah, the spiral you're going to flow through, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you had mentioned, I mean, what I loved that I knew you were special is because you said, when I went through my TED Talk experience, I had a lesson And it was very informative. And I thought, wow, most people would never admit that. I love that you were saying that you had experience and lessons with your TED Talk. Do you mind sharing? Because I'd love to learn like part of what you discovered about yourself from going through that experience. Most of us have not given a TED Talk, right? Most of us, and for me, that's like my secret dream. A lot of us, you know, we haven't done it, right? So we haven't had that experience. What did you discover about yourself? Or what happened? I got a good
1: ticking the ego is the best way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been on the stage in some shape or form since I was 7 years old. My mum was my speech and drama teacher. I'm a certified speech and drama teacher myself. I'm a classically trained singer. I will stand up on a stage and speak in front of anyone. It doesn't doesn't faze me one bit really really it doesn't I love it because for me it's just a conversation yeah I mean provided I'm talking about something I feel I can offer a gift on if you ask me to come and talk about mathematics that might be a different story (laughs) (laughs) I can talk about maths from my experience but don't ask me to explain equations or algebra
0: uh
1: so so I was six months out of this relationship I had been six years in the relationship and my confidence had taken a severe dent to the point where I had gone into Clubhouse a couple of times into rooms big rooms anyone who doesn't know what Clubhouse is it's an app that's a bit like the radio imagine seeing a, an app with a load of faces in front of you and there's somebody speaking at the top you may or may not be called up to speak on the stage. And I think you're, you're on Clubhouse. I am on you, you were, yeah. Yes, yeah.
0: correct. Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, so I, was, I went in one day and there were lots of these people on the stage, big voices, big egos, which there are a lot of in Clubhouse that I have experienced. I went to put my hand up and I felt sick. I felt fear for the first time in my life about wow. just speaking. And that rocked me. So then fast forward to going to do the TEDx and I had prepared as I always do. I probably did it. I rewrote the script maybe 30 times. I rehearsed it wow. at least 150, recorded it wow. on PowerPoint for myself 20, 25 minimum times. The night before I was standing in my new boots, in my pajamas, I actually did a read. And I did a reel of myself, or maybe it was a post with a picture standing in pajamas in a pair of (laughs) heels. There's there's your not giving up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I'm going. Why would you wear heels with pajamas? Like if you're going to be comfortable with pajamas. Why would you wear heels? But I know Here's you have why. shoes that you're going to wear, and you probably yes. had to break them in. And I understand It'll exactly. again you have to break them, them in. You have to break them, and you have to
1: know that you can move and stand comfortably in them. So that's right. why I was
0: do doing maneuver, it. Right? right? Yeah, all over.
1: <laughs> exactly. I was doing it in my hotel room, but I I was. I was ready. And I had an intention when I first pitched the talk to pitch the ripple effect of vulnerability. But I wanted to pitch the ripple effect of vulnerability to everybody that exactly as you quoted at the beginning, when we share our stories, we create a ripple effect that helps other people have the courage to share theirs. Yes. What I allowed to do was let my... A, a, a mix of things, my fear and my ego take over. And I tried to impress organizations and big companies. And what I mean when I say that is I had another slide that isn't in the presentation that isn't in the TEDx.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: That referenced Yale research, which is the only research to date that I have still been able to find apart from obviously Brene Brown's work. On the ripple effect of vulnerability in teams. And uh. what they did was they took robots and they put robots into teams, vulnerable robots. Vulnerable. And the robots, when they shared vulnerable stories about themselves, themselves, the robots, created psychological safety in the team faster than if the robots weren't there. So, thus, it proved the ripple effect of vulnerability, even with robots in a team.
0: That's amazing.
1: I found it so as well. And I wanted to say, have we really reached that point where we need to put a robot in a team to create psychological safety and vulnerability because humans are so afraid to do it? This was my, you know, make companies notice me because I'm professional and I'm well-educated and I'm intelligent and all this blah, blah, blah. And on the day... I got up. I was first. We hadn't practiced with the timer. Now, I hear a lot of voices saying a shoddy workman blames their tools. I had practiced with my own timer. (laughs) Fair enough. So I'm not blaming the tool. But I hadn't done it on the stage with the big red TED timer. So I got up on the stage, saw this red clock, and what happened? Panic hit my brain. It was also being televised. Now televised on the internet, live on the internet, the new form of live television. I mean,
0: in some ways, that reaches more people, right?
1: Yeah, and in a way that I felt I couldn't disrupt it. So, if it were just in a room, if it hadn't been being recorded for people live, and if I'd known a bit more about the editing that I could could have got done, what I actually would have done was was stopped it and been that ripple effect of vulnerability and said, "Okay, I've just landed on the stage here." To be totally honest with you. I forgot completely to ask about a timer yesterday. We haven't practiced with one. My brain has just seen the timer and (laughs) it has completely thrown me. And I've lost. And that's that's what happened. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. What happened? So I spent the first part of the talk split between focus, get your talk right, get this down. And the timer. I have no idea how much time I have left. I don't know where I am in the talk. I don't know if I'm Ooh. going to get this finished. Am I going to go over the time? If I go over the time, it's not going to be published because you can't go over 18 minutes. Or they don't, they can't publish it because it's Ted. It can't be over 18 minutes. Wow. That, well, that was in my brain. I've seen a couple since that were, that are a little bit longer. So all of this is happening. The one part of my brain is running this narrative. The other part is running the script that I, I- have learned.
0: And when we watch it, we, if watching it, uh, you would never know, like to the casual observer, they would never know that that's going on in your head. So that's- I don't know. (laughs) I I mean, I don't, I didn't see it. Right. So this is the lesson.
1: This is the lesson that there's a point in it where it becomes really difficult for me. And you can see that it's, Uh it's lost. a a, a second thing happened in that I also had a question to ask the audience would Uh they like me to to share stories or would they like to do something else and I made the mistake of focusing only on one person who said oh we can share stories I was like what what do you mean you're willing to share stories (laughs) I thought you were gonna say move on and bring up my (laughs) move on slide so I had to re-script in that moment I had prepared for the possibility but I really didn't expect it. I really didn't expect wow. them to say, okay. had I checked this, this, the group again and said, are you sure you want to share stories? They would have contradicted it because everybody would have said, no, move on. Yeah. Uh, but I just didn't recheck. So these are the, the combination of things that are leading to the lesson. Right. Because of that blip, because of the change in the scripting, the moving into the, oh, okay, I thought you would say this. I spoke the second part about the stories before I spoke the first part. Oh. So I flipped my own script in the middle of it. Okay. And that second part was meant to lead in to the whole point of the presentation. And that's why I believe vulnerability ripples. Press the button, up comes the spiral, up comes the gravitational wave picture, and I I make the key point finishing then with the robots but because I've made a mess of it I was re-scripting all the time in my head my pace is too slow I pause too much I lose the resonance with the energy of the message Mm. and it therefore did not ripple in the way that I had hoped and wanted it to ripple and believed Uh that it could
0: well but maybe it's rippling now (laughs) <laughs> absolutely maybe it is and and there's that sense of
1: this right? is where the reflection comes in that so there's the ego part yeah i wanted it i wanted to look good for people that i didn't need to try to look good for because the whole point of the the, the talk was to just help people have the courage to share their stories that was what ended up coming out that was the part that was spoken and that's the way that it went on the day. And I said this to a friend of mine after it. I accept it. It went as it was meant to go. The lesson I learned is to let go more. Uh-huh. And to feel the pain that people who are afraid of public speaking feel. Because i would never felt it. And if I'm going to be the best speaking coach possible, then I need to feel that pain.
0: Well, I think that that's extremely valuable. And I find that spirit a lot of times with regards to healing work, a lot of times different healers will experience painful situations so that they can help their clients or students, whoever it is that they're interacting with move through it and have compassion for those people. Right. Absolutely.
1: And that's a key part of the work that I do, you know, we talk about public speaking, presentation skills. That's the technical work I do. The real work I do is how people heal their hearts and heal their minds. And so and that
0: is true confidence. Context, in that context, everything worked out perfectly. Just as it was meant. And even as we're talking about it now, you know, a period of time after your talk, that's still the ripple effect from the talk. <laughs> it is yeah and it's funny nobody's it's come up perfect. a couple of times I mean, nobody, now. <laughs> nobody's perfect and even though we want to be perfect especially in a big presentation like that you know the thing is the other thing is a lot of us are harder on ourselves than we actually need to be because mm-hmm. the actual casual watcher of that would not have picked up on any of that going on with you they might have been like huh why is she talking about that now instead of at a different time? But they wouldn't have been like, oh, you made a mistake or you flubbed it or you you know, messed it up. They would have been like, oh, that's interesting. And that's the thing is the way we perceive ourselves is so different from the way other people perceive us as well. That's the path of self-discovery, that
1: recognition, that in reflection. What I see in the mirror is different <laughs> to what everybody else sees. <laughs> But when I go inside yep. and and take down the blind and I, I, I kind of I usually use the example of being in a limousine. So when we think about the brain, we have the prefrontal cortex, that seemingly big part at the front that's developed last, but is actually the smallest part and only takes up four percent of our brains uh, that we put so much pressure on. That this is the analytical, judging, decision-making side or part of the brain that gets this pressure all the time. When the answers that we have are the mental maps that we've created through our lifetimes and our life experience. And they're all, as you no doubt know because of the work you do, they're all in spirit, they're all down in that subconscious place where they're they're always there, they're always resting, they're never unconscious, but they're they're so because we keep them down below in constant activity at the upper parts. So when we take those moments of downtime to look at a leaf blowing, look at that beautiful setting when we look out a window or in Arizona, that picture that you're showing me behind you, the beautiful desert and the sky, that allows us to take down the screen of the limousine or the taxi if you're in the UK Mm -hmm. and reconnect those two parts of the brain again let the let the umbrella open let everything flow up and there's where the answers come from
0: so discovery. we're going to take a quick break at, to process that wonderful insight you just shared and when we come back i want to just ask you some concrete tips for our listeners so we're going to take a break and we're going to come back Go to www.arielhubbard.com. That's www.arielhubbard.com, and if you're on Clubhouse, you can find Ariel Hubbard by looking up Ariel Hubbard. A R I E L H U B B A R D. Fantastic! So we are back with Christine Milani, and <gasps> I said it correctly. Same. Beautiful. We're talking about life lessons, ego lessons. We're talking about the journey of self-discovery. We're talking about um, the path of inner awareness and the spiral and development of consciousness. Light topics, right? (laughs) Yeah, not deep at all. For our first ever conversation. Oh, we're
1: going to talk so much, I think, (laughs) over time, Mary.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I actually want to ask you, um, I'm going to ask you about public speaking, really, because... You know, it's come up recently with some of my students and clients and, and just because I think it's relevant, if you were going to give people some ideas or ways to communicate about public speaking, like how, how would you help them address that fear? And why am I asking that? Because I personally think that speaking your story and sharing your vulnerability, like you've been talking about with me in front of others is A path of self discovery. And I think having the courage to verbalize and express and get it out in front of others is important. How would you help people overcome some of that? Like the fears or discomforts they have about being authentic or that fear of blowback, as you mentioned in your TED talk? Because I think it's a real thing, especially in today's society. Absolutely.
1: I, I talk a little bit about this in one of my recent episodes on the podcast. Uh, about the fear of judgment I think yeah. it's don't let them bottle you I won't use yes. the word <laughs> the first thing that comes to me when you say that is it depends on the individual because somebody might be dealing with social anxiety somebody else might be dealing with a bit of cognitive dissonance where they're questioning themselves or they're questioning their decisions others might be just fearing judgment or feeling kickback so it kind of depends where they're coming from on it But my dad taught me something once, which I never forgot. And that was one finger forwards, three fingers back. So every time we point a finger at somebody, there are three fingers pointing back at us. Now, I don't completely believe that we always recognize that which we don't like in ourselves when we look at others. I'm not fully on that train. But when I talk to people sometimes about this fear of judgment and and negative response and degradation from actions that they take and things they do, we'll we'll talk about this finger-pointing. What is it you think that they're, they're seeing in you that maybe they're not comfortable with in themselves? And if you come from a place of compassion for them, that maybe something in their lives is holding them back or maybe they want something that you've got, but they're not yet able to sit in their own strength and power and be able to develop that and let that shine, then you can see them in a very different light. And when we change the light that we shine on a person, we take it off ourselves. And that allows us to then just to then give them the gift of what it is we have to share and what we have to offer. Place to focus on them, not on us.
0: And then, if the focus is on them and not on us, we're not focusing on our own insecurities. We're not focusing on how we're not good enough to share. And we're not focusing on those voices that we might have heard in younger years about how what we have to say isn't valuable. We let that stuff yeah. go. We let it go. We don't put our awareness on that. And truly, eventually, when I think when people have enough practice in being, being authentic and sharing, that stuff doesn't sit in their space anymore. It's just a historical experience that they've had. You know, it's not their reality anymore. And they, yeah, they're- it's like that spiral that
1: you talked about. We move, we move through it, but and it's hard. And I, I'm not taking away from the fact that it's hard to do this, particularly with family. And if you're close to family, because I've got a very close family, and to step out in ways that I have stepped out, I, I have of course hurt some people in in unintentionally in sometimes inadvertently and I've had to go back and say okay what what came up for you with that all right I didn't see it from that perspective that's not what I was intending I'm sorry if that hurt you but it wasn't my intention so I'm acknowledging their their hurt and their pain but I'm coming from my place of truth and as you say, you know, taking that focus on ourselves off ourselves and giving it to somebody else, that's also a veto power, which we don't have a lot of in our brains. We have <laughs> actually, and I said this on a podcast recently, it was I said 0.02 of a second, it's actually 0.2 of a second. So I have to correct myself on it. But from the moment that we're triggered into habit, when that when that alert comes, there's 0.3 of a second between the alert and it triggering in the brain. And then we have 0.2 of a second to stop ourselves. That's it. So we veto the voice. And I I give credit to a little bit to myself, but to a woman I spoke to earlier today who summarized what I talked about when I told her this as veto the voice. So she gave me that little nugget phrase from the information i would given her. You veto the voice. What did you say? Oh, you said I'm not good enough. Oh, you said I'm not good enough. Where did that come from? Uh-huh. And then you start to realize this is your self-discovery. Where did that come from? Oh, I don't know where that came from. Let me think about that for a second. Uh-huh. That came from such and such 10 years ago. They they're not in my life anymore. They're, that wasn't true. But what is true? Well, I I'm an expert in my area, or I know what I'm talking about. I've spoken about this for years, or I've studied it, or I've lived it, or and, and it's my own experience anyway. So what is the truth? <laughs> well, I'm just going to share what's, what's real true for me. And I this, I, I, I might beautiful. look strange here. This, but, this is what I do every day. I have these conversations with myself every day. And I will say, Christine, even when my hand is moving towards my phone, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Don't lift up your phone. It's in my hand. It's in my hand. Put it down. Put it down. And then I throw it on the couch. <laughs> really, I should put it in a different room. That's the the neuroscience, what neuroscience says. But at least if I throw it on the couch, I have to get up to go and get it. And remind yourself. I've never thought
0: this before, ever.
1: (laughs) No, nobody has. But also then you can see around me post-its. I'm a big post-it person. So until I have learned a lesson, I surround myself with it. The, The screen of my phone, my screensaver. The screen of my laptop, my screensaver. Post-its all around me. Stickers in front of the, me on the box.
0: So you get the visual. And so I then, get the visual. And then that goes into your brain. And then Constantly. you get transcripts into your um, hippocampus. And then you remember it and, and get into your long-term memory, right? Teaching and teaching. teaching. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I read a really good quote recently
1: from Anthony DeMello or Tony DeMello, who my dad was sitting in pride hearing me quote because I used to tell him when I was young, stop quoting him.
0: But, <laughs> now you're grow. growing. <laughs>
1: yeah, because he wrote the book awareness and it's amazing. He says, I've said, if you see through yourself, you will see through everyone. That's so good. when we start to look through ourselves through that that glass, it, it it's quite challenging because we do start to see through people in a lot of ways that maybe sometimes ignorance can be more blissful. <laughs> but, <laughs> 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 you don't always want to see through Maybe sometimes you just want to go along with it.
0: It's easier <laughs> totally on your brain. That. Yeah, just, just easier. The, the more we know, the less we know, the harder it is. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you because you've mentioned mm-hmm. your podcast a few times. How would our listeners find your podcast? What's the name of your podcast? I mean, I know the name, but I want you to say it so people know it. No problem. The podcast is called Connected
1: Communication. So Connected. Right. Ed at the end, communication, mm-hmm. and you will
0: see the essence of me a beautiful four leaf clover. I love that. And there, and there are some beautiful um, conversations on there. Um, there, you know, I, and I'm actually just typing this into the show notes right now. So if you guys hear that, you'll know I actually do take notes. But <laughs> connected communication is a wonderful pod. It, there are some beautiful interactions and conversations very rich very authentic and a lot of fun to listen to and then what is your website if people wanted to connect with you they wanted to learn how to train in communication what would that be for them
1: the main website is language courage coaching there's that courage again so language, language, language
0: courage coaching.com
1: coaching. coaching. okay. Mm-hmm. okay i do have an online training platform which is growing and developing at the moment my goal is to make it kind of like the netflix of cross-cultural communication and oh, presentation it. and public speaking so that is you can find it on the site but if a shorter link to it is phenomenalpresenters.com. presenters.com
0: oh, fantastic
1: yeah and that's uh, uh inspired by maya angela's phenomenal woman
0: that's fantastic i i really appreciate your time and your wonderful rich authentic experience and sharing all of that with us and your insights as well uh thank you so much for joining us today any last insights or uh, comments you want to make before we finish for the day
1: well just to say that i am truly grateful to you for having me on it's a blessing to have met you and i know blessing is sometimes an overused word but i think anybody who's listening will hear that there has been an instant connection and i just love it when that happens in my Me life it's too. A true gift it, <laughs> yes it, i'm very it grateful fantastic. it's
0: absolutely. A blo- absolutely. absolutely
1: and just to add one more thing if i may you mentioned there being some beautiful conversations on the podcast already and thank you for that but there will be another one added to that soon when we do our conversation oh, for the podcast. Yeah, so I look forward to flipping the, the the seats maybe a little bit and having a conversation with you about communication. It's right.
0: going to be wonderful. Thank you so much, Christine. And have a beautiful day. And to our listeners, to so remember to move with your power and into your magnificence. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye, Christine.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: Are you experiencing overwhelm, frustration, stress, or anxiety? Do you need help with insomnia? Well, contact Ariel Hubbard at Hubbard Health Solutions. Ariel offers 25 modalities to help you move forward. You can deal with the pandemic and still experience balance and calm. Contact Ariel at arielhubbard.com. That's arielhubbard.com.